Hello, you're listening to the Leeds Sanctuary podcast. Leeds Sanctuary is a network of communities in Leeds City Centre, each beginning with encounter and aiming to embody sanctuary and justice. Through which individuals and our city can flourish. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Lead Sanctuary podcast. I'm Anna and I'm the host of the Justice Stream and today I'm joined by Grace Hills, also known as Sparking Community. Today we're talking about biodiversity and some of you may be wondering how is biodiversity linked to justice? Well for Lead Sanctuary justice is about the plight of our fellow humans but also our planet. Biodiversity links so closely to food production and climate change, both of which have an impact on our world, but also on people all around the world who are struggling to feed themselves and the increasing numbers of climate refugees that we're seeing. Therefore, biodiversity feels a local, national and global issue of justice in our seeking for our own and the world's flourishing. So hello, Grace. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Um, I wondered if you could start by introducing yourself. Hello, um, I'm Grace. And um, oh, wow. Well, when asked to introduce myself, it's sort of quite hard to um, say what I do because I do so many things. But um, I would say these days that I'm a permaculture artist which kind of um incorporates uh sort of the gardening element of what I do and also the artistic side of what I do I uh do a project uh, where I live on my street uh in Kirkstall called the Garden of Eden which is sort of a forest garden so you've got the permaculture elements there and I let my kind of creative ideas out on this space here by planting stuff in the verges and working with the kids um so and that's led to lots of community organization especially during covid climate activism just uh, promoting guerrilla gardening basically but um i know anna also through leeds craftivists and we work together um leading lots of campaigns over the last few years um uh, in yeah and leeds craftivists yeah you are in you do so much and you um bring so much creativity to all of the things that you do um yeah so it's really wonderful to have you with us today um and also I guess I would reflect it's just been so wonderful to work with you over the last few years and just see how you what that creativity can do and that passion um for changing the world Um, So I wondered if you could tell us a little about your journey with biodiversity and climate change. Yes. So I've always been green. My parents are quite green. I grew up in Germany and um, the the politics after the the, um, Wiedervereinigung, reunification of uh, East and West Germany in the 90s meant that um, there was a bigger presence um, of German politicians in the um, parliament than we've ever had here in England so the green agenda was quite high on um, the list of things in uh, Germany in the 90s and um, that influenced kind of my childhood so I was you know recycling was just sort of second nature and when I moved to the UK people were still throwing their um, you know milk cartons in with their their main rubbish and not recycling it. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I used to babysit at people's houses and thinking like, what are they doing? <laughs> anyway, so I've always had quite this um, um, awareness of, of green living, um, more examples of that as well, but that's just sort of one. Um, but it was actually probably 
was it 2018 around the time of Greta and and um and Attenborough with his um documentaries on on plastic in the oceans and all of that sort of thing there was a real sort of upsurge in and meetings and lectures on um, the climate and ecological crisis. And I did a lot of reading, really got into um, wildlife gardening and started to do it as well in practice. Mm. So um, uh, one of our friends from church um, was getting married and as instead of um, buying them a present, I offered to landscape their garden as a wedding present so I was in the very sort of zero waste phase I was like I don't want to give you anything I'm going to do something for you and then I was able to implement a lot of this wildlife gardening and biodiversity stuff that I'd been reading um reading about and um, you know um doing here in my garden and on the street with the kids in the garden of Eden here also off-site where I've been sort of doing some gorilla gardening over the years um and so it's yeah, it's something that I absolutely love doing. It's something that um, has been really beneficial for me uh, in my journey over the last few years. Yeah, thank you. And I think um, my reflection on that would be we've known each other for a few years now and I've really seen, um, I think something that I really admire in you is that you've never shied away from the fact that you, that your views are and your learning has developed over time. And you talked about um, the zero waste phase. And I, I feel like I've seen you have, diff- although the same the same internal passion drives it all, mm. that actually the iteration of it and what it looks like for you in the world has maybe slightly changed. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I think I have gone through such a journey recently. Um, the, the reason that I have had the time to... Um, get into gardening in the way that I have is because I um I burnt out I broke down in 2016 and um was initially signed off for mental health then got a a virus and um got post-viral fatigue which turned into ME and since then I've just sort of been battling and, and learning to balance and cope and manage having a chronic illness um that affects me physically um and and also, you know, mentally as well. Mm. And it's been sort of, uh, I've also learned that I'm autistic. So seeing stuff in black and white was um, something that I used to do. And I used to go quite heavily all the way one way when I was like, right, zero waste. It's absolutely everything. <laughs> everything is going to be completely perfect to the T. And realizing that that's also not healthy. And, and we just had a conversation before this about balance. And I think mm. that's something that I'm a lot more aware of um, of now. Um, so yes, that's really, really interesting of you to say that you've sort of seen the different iterations I've, as I've tried to go from one extreme to perhaps a bit more of a balance. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to know that, yeah, sort of as you grow and mature that, that stuff kind of finds a bit more of a natural sort of sitting place in the balance of everything, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all of it is important, but, um, but it's, it's about, prioritizing the change you want in the world but also ourselves in that um Mm -hmm. and I think you do that really beautifully and really honestly as well with real vulnerability thank you (laughs) could you tell us a little bit about your relationship with nature and the natural world and how that's inspired you yeah I guess I sort of touched on it briefly just then but um I sort of have been on long-term sick leave um since 2016 and um and, and while I was pretty, pretty poorly, I was able to 
have a bit more time just looking at the garden and 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 seeing things in the in in the garden and in the space around me I was able to follow the seasons more be more mindful everything slowed down with the fact that I wasn't able to do as much I wasn't able to work I wasn't able to well I wasn't able to do very much at all in the beginning and um so my relationship with with nature and the natural world really changed because I just took it for granted before you know I'd I'd I was sort of trying to, I was doing career stuff, you know, career um, woman in in a, in a busy job in the city centre. And suddenly the carpet got ripped from under my feet and I found myself just sat or, you know, just within four walls and having a very different pace of life and a very different outlook on life. It's, yes, I've just really developed a real um, love for nature and it's sort of continuousness even when everything else is is going a bit mad around you and I think a lot of people found that during lockdown and um, mm. I just had that experience a few years before <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and like naturism what I'm hearing there is nature is kind of a, a tonic and a yeah and almost almost a friend in in really hard times absolutely absolutely and just to I guess this is a question that I've pondered about in the past and some people listening may have as well, but um, why is biodiversity vital in the wider picture of climate change? Mm, That's a good question. Um, It's called, I guess it's really important to um, realise that it's the climate and ecological emergency. I think that would be something to highlight that, that we need to see it as a whole and that without, if we, if we sort of, break the ecosystem that we live in as well as the atmosphere that we live in then um you know that that which which unfortunately we have done and that's why we're seeing such horrendous outcomes biodiversity is just so important if we don't have that balance there then um nothing nothing can live as it's meant to and with with nate without nature there's no world you know we're thinking about saving the bees for example and how much the bees pollinate the food and there's this crazy like image of of how little would be on our supermarket shelves if we didn't have the bees because of actually how vital they are to pollinating and creating so much of the food that we live on mm. um so i think yes seeing it as a whole that even like the smallest things like the bees and and stuff that's even smaller than that is is just super important in in keeping balance that we've got on this on this planet of of the ecosystem and and that if we you know try and reverse the biodiversity and make it yes just sort of like a monoculture which is what a lot of um is happening a lot in places where they're planting just palm oil trees or just soya crops for cattle feed and that sort of thing but um they're, yeah, they're, they're cutting out so much biodiversity there, and that that's that's a real issue because um, lots of creatures and plant types and stuff are dying out, and they're actually beneficial for the whole. So definitely something we need to be thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I, do you know I love that race. I've never quite heard it expressed like that. Of um, we need to think about the atmosphere and the ecosystem, and I I I feel like I need to write that down. That feels re- really important distinction 
but also how connected those two things are feels really important as well um so thank you for that that was that was just really that's just so clear um Mm. as to what uh, what does a healthy world look like that the atmosphere and the and the ecosystem are both so important in that yeah i have this hashtag climate and ecological emergency which i've seen used more and more in in sort of protest panels and stuff like that but yeah it really is both because we have to have we have to have both and they have to both be healthy and balanced for us to be able to live in this planet so we can't just focus all our attention on um carbon and um you know and stop it melting the ice caps and stuff like that is very much also like the the plants and species and stuff that we rely on to live yeah absolutely yeah and taking things a little bit more locally I wondered you've mentioned the Garden of Eden project a couple of times but I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about some of the projects that you've run here in Leeds well, <laughs> we've run quite a few um, successful projects as lead craftivists, haven't we? Yes. Wonderful. Um, I will, will always remember our session on peat, uh, and that continues to be one that we remember on the group. So um, peat-free soil, we learned a lot about peat bogs in one of our um, online um, sessions where we had a specialist come in and talk to us about the importance of peat bogs and then following sort of the the legislation and policy changes as the government has banned peat over the last few years it's been really wonderful um so yes Lee's Craftivist has been a really um big part of stuff that I would say I've sort of run locally um my day-to-day is the Garden of Eden so it's everything on my doorstep here with the kids um who live um yeah my neighbor's kids who live here on the street so we've planted trees into the verges and then we sort of got bolder and we planted some wildflowers into the verges to start like a little wildflower corridor then last year we got even bolder and we put out some little pop-up veg boxes and we did veg on the verge and then through that I um have um got more confident in just sort of making a sign popping it out off off site I call it off site <laughs> not on our street so just down um around the corner yeah. and inviting people along to 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 meet up and um do do some sort of maintenance on stuff that the council doesn't really look after just sort of making sure that the the paths are accessible so that people can um walk safely because I'm really passionate about sustainable travel and for me, that sort of the, the practical um, expression of that would be to make sure that there aren't trees in the way of pedestrian paths, that there aren't leaves on pedestrian paths and stuff like that, so that people can safely walk places and mm. leave the car at home and that sort of thing. I've also, um, after the pandemic, I organised Streets for People, which is where you can um, ask the council to close off your street for a couple of hours. And so we did that successfully a couple of times, two hours on a Sunday once a month um until somebody complained and then it's just brought the whole thing to a stop which is really unfortunate and frustrating and yes i think your your next question is about challenges and that would de- that would definitely be uh i would definitely mark that under there because sometimes working with the council and working with um a whole host of of neighbors with different opinions uh, you're not going to get everybody to agree on one thing and and especially when you have to be thinking so um if you know as much as I do unfortunately then um 
you have to sort of think a little bit radically about how we're going to combat climate change in the time that we have. And um, and for a lot of people, that's quite scary. It's, it's change and, and change, especially on a on topic that they're perhaps not so clued up on is um is yeah it causes causes people to sort of go ah that sort of thing so sort of managing neighbors expectations and 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 implementing things that we're doing here in a way that is um works for everybody but is still a little bit out there is um has been challenging mm. and also quite sometimes because it's such a sort of vocation living here if if there has been a sort of we've got a whatsapp group that um i set up during lockdown and and it's been absolutely brilliant we've just supported each other so well during this time um we won britain's third friendliest street which was like a national competition and um and that's that's been really fantastic and we still use this whatsapp group every day people um you know asking for recommendations or or you know getting getting rid of stuff and you know we've saved so much stuff from landfill just by passing it on to somebody else on the street and and that sort of thing but yeah there are still challenges and when when stuff gets uncomfortable on there it can it can affect my mental health so I definitely say that was a bit of a challenge because you're then you know you you live there there's not really much you can do you're sort of in in the midst of it so um Yes. And another challenge would be when we've been growing things, um, stuff that just hasn't worked. Um, for example, like we've had a few trees that have died because we didn't water them enough, but we've learned from our mistakes and, um, and yeah, it's just continue continuing just sort of trial and error and, um, learning, learning to do things better next time and implementing better watering yeah. systems and, as the kids grow older as well, they're able to help me more, which is, which is good. So last summer we did a lot more watering because of the drought and everything mm. and all of our trees survived, which was really good. <laughs> yeah, that is so good. And I think what I just love about what you do is that it combines work on kind of climate change and biodiversity, but also does so much in terms of community building, which is mm. just, I mean, f I guess for me, they're two things I'm so passionate about. And I feel that actually community is one of those things that we need so much more of. A lot of our wellbeing work at Lead Sanctuary is about um, people's social connections and the huge importance of feeling that you have a support network. So I guess what you do is about um, the wellbeing and flourishing of the planet in the future but also of the the people on your street um, and i think i thought your response to people's um criticism and the difficulty and how hard that's been for you and the impact on your mental health was so empathetic grace like just really kind of that you really can you have such an understanding perspective of why they are responding like they're responding oh thank you that's really that's really kind of you to say because yeah it has been challenging and you just sort of want everybody to be on the same page as you but um you know just sort of thinking about why they might be responding like that is also very helpful to realize that it's just their sort of insecurities about change and and that sort of thing that um has meant that some of the things that I've proposed have been less welcomed <laughs> yeah and change is hard isn't it people do find change hard um, so I wondered if you could tell us about a moment or some moments of hope that you've seen through this work. Oh, so, so many, actually, when sort of 
reflecting on it. One from really recently um, is is just seeing the kids engage with it. And obviously every year they grow older. I've been doing this for quite a few years and you're able to do more more with them. And um, I've just recently bought um, the Flower Fairies box set of books and, um, and introduced them to that just the other day. And I absolutely loved it. And I basically, we're going to make a sort of treasure hunt out of um, finding all of the different flower fairy plants and um, writing them down in a book and pressing them, sticking them in the book, writing when we found them, was it a spring flower, is it a summer flower, this sort of thing. And the kids just engaging with that and and kind of <laughs> putting up with me and my passion for 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 nature for for growing stuff for continuing the biodiversity of of the the wildflowers that we have of the you know things that we have around that nobody else seems to notice you know some of these flower fairies are like it's called flower fairies of the wayside which is basically just weeds and stuff like that but they're they have names and they are you know recorded in this book and and we're going to find them all and and the kids are just so excited about you know learning about that because I read a really great quote the other day was just like if you don't know what a blue tit is or a bluebell how are you going to be able to realize when it's gone how are you going to be able to notice that they don't exist anymore if if you know with the the onset of climate change and the ecological crisis if we don't teach the next generation what these things are then they're not going to know. And and the kids on my street come from um, culturally different and religiously different backgrounds. So gardening isn't anything that is sort of quite high up in their culture or anything. They, they it is a bit alien to them. And um, so, yeah, if I didn't have this opportunity to teach them, then I don't think they would learn about these things as much. And I think it's just really important that they do because then they can be aware of that. And I think for me, the work I do with the kids on the street is about ensuring that they have a great childhood and learn lots of important things, but in a fun way, because mm. I just, from the reading and the research that I've done, I've just, I just know too much. I, their future is going to be really hard because of the the state of the planet and the planet that we've left them basically so for me it's um, about making sure they have a fun childhood where they learn lots of stuff like growing their own veg and important things and skills that they'll need because their future is going to be harder than ours because of the the state of the planet that we've left them those are moments of hope for me is just seeing the kids engage and obviously growing stuff is always massively hopeful just seeing things grow you have to have hope because you think oh you know you're you're looking to the future of this plant of what it's going to look like when it blooms or whatever or fruits and that in itself is just hope isn't it it's, it's thinking about the next day yeah I love it I grew up with the flower, flower fairies I love the flower fairies so that's just so nice to think about that yeah and it, I think you're so right about um so much of the change that we need in some ways is to change our relationship with nature and mm. um if we if each of us feels connected and invested in the natural world then we'll feel much more passionate and inclined to take action to save it so i just think yeah it's so significant all of that really um mm. and bringing that all of that beauty and wonder into their childhood is such a such a gift so yeah great what would you suggest that each of us could do to encourage biodiversity in our own lives yes that's a good one um I have a lot of suggestions because <laughs> I think it's just such an important topic yeah I was I was at a sort of um 
networking event, I guess, yesterday about this sort of thing. And um, and uh, one of the ladies sort of put up her hand and said, <laughs> you're going to think I'm crazy, but we need to look at the world more like a hedgehog would or a fox or a, a bird or something like that. And I was like, yes, you're right. You know, that's so true. I think 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 like a hedgehog a bird a fox a bee what what could we do to help these species in in our own garden in the own in our own sort of realm of influence that we've got here you know um hedgehog highways are a big thing making sure that the hedgehogs can like um, get through to gardens and different things nesting boxes native plants which will then produce you know will will help it's the whole ecosystem isn't it native plants that then have insects that the bee the birds then eat the insects and da, 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 da. watering holes it doesn't have to be a full-on pond it can just be a bowl or a submerged sink or something just so that the, the animals can drink and and bathe in um in some water in your garden making sure your bird feeders are filled up especially at this time of year where it's all frozen over wildflowers is, is a great one Dead wood is a really good one. I don't think people really know that perhaps so much, but just a, a log pile of um, of dead rotting wood is, is fantastic for biodiversity. Composting is wonderful as well. Just that whole sort of ecosystem within that that breaks down all that food waste and that sort of thing. Um, gorilla gardening, so planting wildflower seeds um, in places where you haven't potentially got um, permission to do spreading a handful as you go on a walk or something like that but I think um the most important thing is balance and I think we spoke <laughs> we spoke about that just before before we went on air but balance is is incredibly important and yeah just realizing that it's, it's we live on a finite planet and that we can't just keep extracting and consuming that we have to give back and that we have mm. to slow down, that we have to challenge the kind of capitalist society we live in. And um, yeah, just sort of go back to our roots a bit and and prioritise prioritize slow living, prioritise biodiversity and yeah, just, just try and be a bit kinder to the planet really. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much for chatting with me this morning. Um, it feels like it's been a really lovely balance of challenge and encouragement and hope. Um, uh, yeah, just a really, such a wonderful conversation. Um, and for anyone listening who is interested in this topic, then please do take part in the latest Leeds Craftivist um, campaign, which is all about diversity, so all about this topic. Um, and our community, the Leeds Craftivists, are engaging with this topic from February to April, and we'll be asking for local and national change in terms of biodiversity. And there'll be a link below about how you can get involved in that. Um, please do let us know if you've enjoyed this podcast and you can share it with your loved ones and let us know we're on facebook instagram and twitter at leeds sanctuary and you can also follow the leeds craftivists at leeds craftivists on instagram thank you so much <laughs>